harvest like radiant diamonds bursting inside us we cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of mercy sweet love of mine I have surrendered to your design may this across the skies these hallelujahs be multiplied your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of Thank you so much for allowing us all to come and meet here and worship you this morning. I ask you to be with us and be in our hearts and minds as we, we worship and pray and sing. Um, help us to, to direct all of that as praise towards you. In your name I pray. Amen.
Good morning. I want to welcome you all to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here uh, with us. We want to make sure that you know uh, restrooms are here and donuts and coffee are back there. We've got um, bulletins in the back and everything should be uh, on the screen this morning. We've had a couple technical difficulties with lighting and stuff like that, but it's coming back. Um, but we're going to worship whatever happens. Uh, I'm going to start off with a note about radical hospitality. Uh, Aaron's going to tell us about the dinner. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries here, and I just wanted to make sure you were all aware that today is the last day to RSVP for the Supper at 6. That's this Wednesday. Um, it will be in here, and Reverend George Strait will be giving us a little bit of um, something to think about when it comes to thankfulness, to prepare our hearts for um, the next holiday coming up, Thanksgiving. 
Uh, on the same vein, we're going to have a menu that uh, reflects Thanksgiving. Turkey and dressing or chicken and wild rice, mac and cheese, lima beans, roll or cornbread, and strawberry or coconut cake. And then children will either have turkey or pizza bites, mac and cheese, fruit, roll, and chocolate cookies. Um, and yes, I did check with the caterer, all those desserts are going to be options for us in that one evening. So uh, I know some sweet tooths will like that. Um, the cost is $8 for an adult and 6 for a child. Uh, you can either RSVP to us by writing on uh, your roster when it, the attendance roster comes around that you'd like to join us, or you can go to the online sign-up. We hope you'll be there. Uh, next month for December, we're going to be making Advent wreaths your family can take home. So there'll be more to come on that soon, but I will be recruiting help, gathering enough greenery to do that for the whole church. So if you think you might have some evergreen uh, things we could use, I would love to talk to you. Thanks. In the fall festivals tonight. And the fall festivals. During the normal programming, we put uh, all kinds of fun stuff will be in here in the gym tonight. Um, Don Lewis, I'm going to ask you uh, to come up and speak about a tradition here at Memorial with your Sunday school class. It falls under the category of risk-taking mission and service. Joe talked about a few months ago his dog always pulling at the leash and wanting to see something that he's seen many times before. And I, I'm going to suggest a, a couple of invitations to you here. These are invitations to pull at the leash to serve the, the risen Lord and do it in a way that memorial people have done it for a long time. Here's invitation number one. On the, sa on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we will be delivering food boxes to up to 80 families who have been given to us by name from the school systems, teachers know best, and we raise the money through this church, $45 per Thanksgiving box. We involve as many people as we can in the gathering of the money, and we involve as many people as we can in the gathering of the food and the distribution of the food. So the invitation is this. Help us to do this one more year. We've been doing it 25. We've delivered almost 1,200 families boxes of food over the last 25 years help us with the donation if you can mark your donation thanksgiving or better yet help us do what we did with our kids 25 years ago which is show kids what other kids are looking at in their life by going out and delivering a food box with your kids our kids still do it and they're 32 and 29. invitation number two on the Saturday before Thanksgiving is the 12th Annual Merle State Hunger Walk. I was invited by Merle 20-some uh, years ago to get involved in Daily Bread Ministries, and I've been doing that uh, since. And this hunger walk is a symbolic hunger walk. It launches from this church as the soup kitchen launched from this church. And that hunger walk takes place at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday before Thanksgiving. And it will be a 1.6-mile round-trip walk through downtown Greer. You walk down Main Street and Poinsett Street, go to the soup kitchen and the, and the new family homeless shelter. And there will be an open house that you can see both of those. It's dog-friendly. You can walk with your kids. It's not that far. You should even ask grandparents to go. So we hope that you'll participate in both of those. I invite you to pull at the leash in that way. <laughs> Maybe he could pull at the leash in some good ways. That would be excellent. Um, that actually plays in perfectly to another uh, category that we have here, extravagant generosity. On that same day, on November 20th, uh, we will have Consecration Sunday. Consecration Sunday is when we gather in one service at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary, and we make our promises for next year, uh, financial uh, pledges for next year. So I encourage you uh, to come that Sunday. And today we're going to hand out cards for two reasons. Um, one, if you have prayer concerns, I want you to raise your hand now, and our uh, ushers will bring you a card with a pencil, and you can share that prayer concern with us in worship. Ms. Sylvia. And two, I want just about everybody um, to take a card for reservation for um, 
November 20th. So we have cards in the back. If you will, uh, if you know right now that you will be here on November 20th, you can make a reservation for the celebration dinner. Celebration dinner is free. It's in here. It's um, uh, uh, Thanksgiving theme. It'll be uh, delicious food, and uh, we'll uh, we go in there and we worship at 10 o'clock, and then we all pour in here. It was a fantastic day. So if you um, would raise your hand now, if you know, actually there you go. We don't have to raise our hand. The cards will come across, and if y'all will fill out the um, card for reservation and put that in the offering plate. I'm going to call on Kenna Owens for uh, an announcement. Kenna is our staff parish chair, and she is going to introduce someone. And as she does, the reservation cards will come through everyone, if you'll fill it out. And uh, if you don't know today, you can fill it out on another Sunday. Good morning. I would like to ask Katie Kate to come up and stand with me, please. As she's coming up, uh, last week we said goodbye to Paige Brooks, who was our youth minister as she goes on to the next phase of her life. And this week I would like to introduce you to our new youth coordinator, Katie Kate. Now, when our committee, when we knew that Paige was leaving, uh, we began discussing how we would fill this position. This process took a lot of time and we, a lot of research because we just knew how very, very important this role is for our church. And we believe that we've come up with the perfect candidate. Katie has served in churches both professionally and as a volunteer since the year 2000. She has taught in child care programs much like our own CEP for eight years. She was an administrative assistant for two years at St. Mark United Methodist Church in Greenville. She has been a volunteer in children and youth ministries in every church that Joe has served. And since they have been here for a year, she has very quietly in the background done so many things for us. But now Katie will be responsible for providing all of the planning and the recreation, communication, and travel scheduling for the confirmation and the youth programs. She's going to work closely with Joe as he provides all of the lessons for these two programs. She is a part-time employee and she will be in the office here at our church on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then in addition to all day on Sundays. She has been working for several weeks with Paige Um, So she's already been heavily involved in the program, and so we know that it's going to be a really smooth transition. Please join me in welcoming Katie Kate in her new position as youth coordinator. I participated in all of it, uh, but I saw her coming down the sidewalk the other day, coming to work, I thought, what are you doing? Number one question, we hear two comments about Katie joining us. One, um, that's what George and Sue did uh, during their time here and, and had a great time, uh, George and Sue Strait. And two, um, we hope that you two don't burn yourselves out. I can assure you that um, it, it, it's going to be fun. I'm sometimes friendlier to employees than I am to family members. Um, so that has already had a positive impact on our um, relationship. and. Um, it's, we now have some uh, great staff in a number of different areas. Charge conferences today at 12 o'clock where we talk about everything that we've done this year and we project things for next year. We've got some wonderful things uh, to share from this year and to project towards next year. Um, we're to pray for Neil Cato, who's in treatment. We're to pray for B. Johnson. And we're to pray for Angie Summers and family. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for Neil because you know, we know that you are listening. That though we have frail bodies, though sickness comes, you're always present with us. And we are present with our loved ones. We pray for B. We pray for Angie because we know that you care so deeply for them. Help us, Lord, uh, to support them, to pray for them, to be present for them, to offer food to them. Help the caring doctors and nurses 
who pour their hearts into understanding sickness and conquering it. And be with us as we try to be your hands and feet to this community. Lord, as we focus on passionate worship today, we ask that you help us see children leading the way in the temple. Celebrating entirely Jesus' presence amongst them. Help us, Lord, to see the pain, the struggle, the conflict that the adults surrounding Jesus present him. And help us to understand our own part in that. But Lord, help us ultimately to understand that passionate worship is such a critical part of this life with you. We ask that you open this text, these prayers, these songs, these lyrics in our hearts and minds. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're looking today at Matthew chapter 21. Jesus said he had to go to Jerusalem for a long time. Then he went. He went into Jerusalem. He could have stayed even on the edges of that. He decided to go into the temple knowing what that would mean. Matthew 21, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So here's your first phrase. The critical issue is restoration. The reason we have the temple, the reason we have sacrifices, the reason we have offerings in this time is for restoration. It's for people to repent of the ways in which they impeded the will of God, which human beings are real creative in finding ways to do that, one way or another, either as individuals or as large groups. They're to sacrifice an animal because that was part of the practice then. So I'm to repent, I'm to offer you something, I'm to change my behavior, my belief, what I'm supposed to do, my commitment. I'm supposed to establish a new covenant. This is the point of me traveling to the temple. Many people may only get one chance to travel to the temple. Many people try to get there one time a year. And in so doing, they have one opportunity to bridge what they feel is the gap between themselves and God. The practice gets warped in two really unfortunate ways. One way is that the people, whether they're in the temple or whether they're in the synagogue or whether they're out there in the middle of the desert wandering around, say, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just sacrifice another animal. It's fine. You can say what you're going to say. Do what you're going to do. Spend what you're going to spend. Ignore what you want to ignore. And then uh, when the time comes in, you know, we'll take the animal, sacrifice them. All right, cool. We're back restored again. That type of mentality is what leads Isaiah to say this right off the bat. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. This is a prophet speaking on behalf of God to the people, saying, your behavior isn't changing at all. You're just bringing me an offering when you feel like it or when the time comes. And that isn't even what it's about. I want you to be striving for it. And when you come up short for whatever reason, I want you to make this offering to me. The other practice that warps it, and there's more than two, but these are two biggies, is driving for profit. When religion uses people's need to confess and reconcile themselves to God as a way to make an incredible amount of money, it is profitable. You make a great deal of money doing that because people feel drawn to give in order to be connected to God. In fact, religion has at times said, 
I don't know about your loved one. In fact, if they're going to make it, you might need to give a little bit more. You know how powerful a motivation that would be? You know how horrifying that is to do that? So these are two really significant ways that those offerings get warped. Now, uh, people selling the doves, the doves are part of it, the goats are part of it, the uh, uh, cattle are part of it. But when they bring themselves in, when, uh, you know when you go to a theme park and they say, um, actually this money ain't going to work, you're going to have to transfer this money into this money, and only this money will work in the park. And there may be a transfer fee when you're changing from this money to this money. And when you buy this money, you won't be able to give it back. It's going to go completely to us. When an entity figures, it can make some serious money. Based on the changing of money, so be it. When the entity is religion, riding on those people and taking advantage of their desire to reconcile themselves to God, you're in a really dark place. That's why Jesus, who rarely does a violent thing, even when people do violent things to him and say violent things to him, comes in and flips tables over. One time, honestly, in a meeting, this was at, um, at Buncombe Street, I lifted up a table and dropped it in the middle of the meeting before I could stop myself from doing it. There were about 12 people around it. And uh, say we were 37 minutes in, you're getting to the point when you get in the 40s and the 50s, hopefully you're settling this thing and ending it. When you're ratcheting it up, and you're thinking, this is going to go 90, and there's no way we settle it. It's going to be open-ended at the end of 90. Someone somewhere in the 40s opened up a new issue and said, well, if we do that, then we're going to have to do this. And we spent five, six, seven minutes unpacking all that, laying it all out, getting on the dry erase board, figuring it out, and we settled it, and they said, Actually, though, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I could, my hands, I went, and lifted up the table and dropped it. Because I was trying to fix the thing, and they were just drawing something up. And the senior minister, who is the calmest person you'll ever meet on the surface, he's come here a number of times to worship. <laughs> he, looked, he went, because I reacted so violently, I just I. Mm, I couldn't take it. So Jesus, in that moment, saw what was happening. So it's one thing to um, say that these people are forgiven and these people are not forgiven, or these people you've suggested are not forgiven are forgiven. I don't like it, but whatever. But when you start messing with my money, start messing with my income, there's a serious problem. Now, why are they driven to earn so much? Well, why any human being is driven to earn so much. But also, the number one goal of the Roman government that's occupied that area, what do they want? Money to send back. There is tremendous pressure on these people to have more money. And when Jesus sees that, he's not a fan. So the critical issue is restoration, but it's been warped in at least two ways that are really significant. The second one is, Jesus is renewing the standard. This will be a house of prayer. This will be a house in which we are hoping to actually learn the will of God. You ever seek out an entity to affirm the thing that you already believe? Yes. We do it all the time. We listen to people who affirm our beliefs. We watch people who affirm our beliefs. We elect people who affirm our beliefs. We do everything where we say, yeah, this person's doing exactly what I'm doing is okay. He's saying, we're going to come in here and we're actually going to pray. We're actually going to restore ourselves to God. We're actually going to learn what God wants us to do. Verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. This little part is why we picked this text for today. We thought we'd go through the five practices, but we would choose texts in which children were setting the standard for what we were supposed to do. Children were the ones teaching. So the first thing you notice is the healing. 
The location is an interesting point here. You know, so many people would think, I can be healed in the temple. I can go there. I can pray to God directly. I can touch the wall. I've been there and seen just the remnants of the western wall, and people are touching that wall and praying, please heal me, please help me. People, are, uh, they write little notes on there, and they roll them up very tight, and they put them in the wall so that it will stay there. They've done it for thousands of years. The interesting part is this is the first time Jesus is healing there. Wherever he's been has been where worship is. Wherever he traveled, whoever he met, whoever he encountered, that's where it was. This is now, just now, in 21, coming back. He's been all over and with whomever. The second thing is the temple. It's the belief system of these people, and in many cases us at times, that God resides in places. God resides in the temple. And when we come in, we've got to be holy. And God stays in the temple when we leave, and we can do whatever we want. Because God stays in the temple. Jesus says, you see this big, magnificent... If you go, uh, go home or you look it up on your phone, second temple. Just Google search that and look up the image. You'll see this amazing structure to which people thought this is where God lives. Jesus says to them in that moment, well, um, in, the temple is going to be torn down and it's going to be raised again. It has a double meaning. Not only will the temple actually be torn down a couple decades from now when the people revolt against the Roman government, Jesus is saying, I myself am the temple. I'm delivering this message to you directly. So you have the healing there. You have Jesus saying that he's the temple there. You have the children there. It says they were yelling. Somebody says, how, the, how did um, uh, the worship service go today? If you were to say, oh, it's awesome. The children were shouting in worship. Anybody ever said that? Mm -mm. No, we hope that they'll behave. We hope that we can contain them. We hope that we can get them in a place where they can uh, learn something outside this environment because we think, oh, it's a tough environment for a child to pay attention. The children were the ones setting the standard, shouting. And what are they shouting? Son of David. I reference Matthew 1 all the time. Matthew 1 has the entire genealogy leading up to Jesus' father, Joseph. And that genealogy has some wild people in it. It has some people who have done crazy things prior to being called to God. It's got some people that have done some crazy things after being called to God. But all of them were called by God in order to do something significant, leading all the way to Jesus' father, Joseph, who blessed his early childhood. And they're saying, son of David. So these people would look back at David and say, that was when it was amazing. Why? Because we were victorious in battle. Because we had a dynamic leader. Because we were running things. Because we weren't occupied. Because we weren't out in the desert. And we were building all sorts of amazing projects. Back then, when David was here, that's when it was great. Jesus is so drastically different than David. Not a fierce warrior. Not saying we're going to reclaim everything that ever was but instead saying we're going to sacrifice ourselves. We're going to pray to God and try to figure out what we're going to do. We're going to love our neighbor. We're even going to love Samaritans. And for every reason, you would say, this person is not David. And uh, what, what's it called in um, uh, politics where uh, you vouch for him? Endorse. Thank you. Uh, if you were to say, uh, the thing you want is for that person who had that set of time locked down to endorse you and say, this is the next person. If David heard everything that Jesus was saying, he might struggle with that. The children are shouting, son of David, acknowledging this is who Jesus is. Everybody else is struggling, but the children. Finally, the last blank, you have the leaders. Indignant. Anybody have to Google that? I Googled it. 
I had a sense of it. I figured grumpy, but I didn't know how specifically, how, why they were grumpy. Strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting, or base. I'm guessing they're going with all those. I don't like that you're welcoming these people. I don't like that you're forgiving these people. I don't like that you're healing these people. I don't like that you flip those tables over. That's going to be a headache for us in every single way. I don't like that you say that you're the son of God or the son of David. I don't care for any of that. So it's the adults, the rule enforcers, the leaders who are not worshiping at this moment. Why? Because things are shifting away from them. And when it shifts away from them, they can't handle it. They can't handle it because they haven't been paying that close attention to what God actually wants. And so we can all learn from that. If you find yourself uh, grumpy in church, myself included, and you think, is there, has there been a moment of uh, a lack of justice? Has there been a moment in which we've invited someone that we shouldn't have? Has there been a moment in which we said something that we shouldn't have? Any of these reasons have, uh, any of these uh, things have reasons to, to block us from paying attention. What they're essentially saying is, this is not for me. You're not up to my standards. Let's look at verse 16. Jesus said, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes. I'm sorry. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And then he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. They're essentially telling the children to shut up. You need to control those children. You need to control what they're saying. You need to not be saying it in this space. So here's your last phrase. What are the children saying? What can they teach us? I have opportunities outside the church to teach children in schools or with scouts or um, with uh, bat, uh, sports. And the latest question I've gotten in teaching children was a child who said he didn't attend church. They don't attend. And we had a lesson last week. It was a tremendous lesson. Uh, we, they struggled to pay attention, I thought, but then they gave amazing answers to what I said, what happened last week. But after we recapped last week, I was about to start, and he stopped me, and he said, um, can I ask you one question before we get started? Yes, very earnest. Why does God choose some people to go to heaven and then tells other people they're going to hell? That's the second grader. And that's that second grader's impression of God. And he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no. And of course, his fear is what? That he's definitely not included. So that child has been given the impression that God's number one uh, goal is to choose some people going this way and some people to go in that way. You ever notice the questions that children ask you in church and the fast answers that we give them? In that moment, I'm thinking, everything that I prepared for, for that lesson, I thought, oh. Number one, God loved you before you ever did anything. Created a space before you ever did anything. Called you to this place before you ever do anything. It's humans who reject God 99% of the time. Not God who rejects humans. I said, I want you to think about your grandparent. Does your grandparent give you an extra cookie? Mm-hmm. Grandparent lets you watch 30 minutes more of TV? Mm-hmm. Grandparent take you to the park? Mm-hmm. When the grandparent says it's time to go to bed, do you listen the first time? No. No, it's a negotiation. I said, so is a grandparent more likely to reject you, or are you more likely to reject the grandparent? And he said, mm -hmm. I'm more likely to reject the grandparent. 
And I said, so God isn't about giving you a cookie anytime you want and letting you watch TV anytime you want. But if you imagine the love that a grandparent gives you, figure it's a little more than that before you were ever born. And I'm hoping it sunk in a little bit. But if the people's primary motivation is who's in and who's out and avoiding rejection and just getting just barely enough to not go to hell, that is not passionate worship, in my opinion. It's not. So let me give you a quote uh, from uh, uh, Bishop Snazy's book, and I believe it's on the screen. God uses worship to transform lives, heal wounded souls, renew hope, shape decisions, provoke change, inspire compassion, and bind people to one another. God, through Christ, actively seeks relationship to us through worship. So here's what I can assure you. Is that our people who are planning worship are thinking about every one of those phases. And I bet if you looked at it, you might think one is more important than another, or one resonates with you more than another. And you might look at another one and say, I don't know about that one. But we're going to emphasize every one of these because we believe it. We believe it's what we're called to do. We're going to teach it to our children, and we're going to teach it to our youth that we will worship God passionately. We will proclaim Jesus as the Son of David and the Son of God, the fulfillment, the one who was there from the very beginning all the way on that end, through every up and down all the way till today, and with us going forward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join me in the affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over his works and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in the words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. I'm going to call Brett Claycamp forward. Brett's the first in our series of speakers for Consecration Sunday. We've asked each one to share what's important to them uh, about church, about their call, about giving, uh, any number of subjects. And Brett's our first. And I encourage you to put your um, dinner reservation in the offering when it comes by. Good morning. So uh, with uh, Consecration Sunday right around the corner, uh, I didn't want to get up here and tell you how you should and shouldn't spend your time and, and your money. Uh, but what I do want to tell you is how I participate in tithing and the donation of my time to our church and, uh, and how it is important to me. I grew up in this church and it played a part in my life that guided me through difficult times, such as being wounded in Afghanistan and also times that were happy, such as getting married in the sanctuary and meeting my wife in the youth group here. And in meeting my wife in the youth group, we participated in going on mission trips and sacrificing our time during those trips and doing that and growing as Christians. Now when I think about that, and God worked through this church to help me grow as a Christian, I want the same for my children so that they can learn as I have. I donate my time so that we may continue to grow as a congregation and do things such as creating new Sunday school classes like the Stepping Stones class. And that is our newest young adults Sunday school class. I not only give my time to the church, but I also make the effort to tithe as well so that all these great things can continue to go on in these walls. I say all this in hopes that you will find your reason and your calling, just as I have, to sacrifice your time and your money so that this church can continue its growth with God. Thank you for your time and enjoy the worship. Thank you, Brett. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings.
was over me Gracious tempest in the sea Surround me like a storm Sing this next one.
His word my hope secures He will my shield and portion be As long as life endures of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Great week.